was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them, I heard saying, Blessing and honor and glory and power be to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb forever and ever. And there's four big creatures that say, Amen. Can we say Amen? Amen. Forever, Lord, be blessing and glory. Be blessing and glory and honor. pray this prayer together. Our Father, Our Father which, art in heaven, which art in heaven, hallowed be your name. May your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. <laughs> Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our sins, Lord. As we forgive those who sinned against us. Lead us away from temptation. And deliver us from the evil one. For thine is the kingdom. And the power. And the glory. Forever. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that whoever would believe in him would not have to perish but could have everlasting life. Jesus did not come to condemn the world, but that the world through him could be saved. We were born separated from God by sin. And sin demands justice. How many knows injustice demands justice? And the penalty for sin is death because all sin eventually results in death. And so God sent His Son to come and live a perfect life without sin, knowing that the sin in the world would not put up with such a pure person for long. And it wasn't long, 33 and a half years, they put Him to death. And God let it happen. And His death now stands once and for all at the center of history as the payment for sin, as the demonstration of sin, as the substitute sacrifice for all of mankind who will but call upon His name and believe in Him and say, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Wash me and make me clean. I believe Your life was taken for me. I believe your blood was shed for me. Give me eternal life. And remove all that separates me from you. 
you'll do that, that barrier between you and God can be removed and you can be what we call born again, saved, made new, ready for heaven. Amen. Who's thankful for having done that in your life? Hallelujah. Let's give appreciation to the Lord for our praise team. Thank you so much for leading us in worship. Hallelujah. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Praise the Lord. Let's release those fifth grade and younger to go to their class. Amen. As they're going, watch this. What do you dream of? Whatever it may be, the Revolve Tour is the one place you can come to share those dreams with thousands of other girls just like you. And you have to be there, especially if you want to finally figure out how guys work. When guys want to hang around people, they prefer to hang around girls who lower the amount of stress that they experience in life. Or if you want to jam out with some of the best bands you've ever heard. Spending the weekend together, you and your friends, along with thousands of other girls, will laugh, dance, and scream together and gain an all-new perspective on the things that matter most. I like the messages because it's easier to understand and they teach it in like a good way. And the guys typically show about 13 nonverbal gestures before they ever actually say anything. Like all of a sudden he's just like, oh, my, my eyebrows are like this when I look at you. And he's like always itchy with his new little man beard that he wants to show you that he's physically developing. Look at this. At Revolve, what the Bible teaches about relationships, life, and love, all of that is explained in a way that just makes sense. We struggle with liking what we see in the mirror. We struggle with loving ourselves. We struggle with insecurity. We need to be told that we are loved, which is why I'm happy you're here this weekend. And giving us a fresh look at our own lives is the Revolve Drama Team. I said something stupid to Jack. I made fun of you because you're different than me. It was my fault. I'm sorry, too. See so bring your friends and come hang out with us you will have the time of your life and you'll leave knowing that god can do anything revolve 2011 dream on Sorry, guys, it's for girls only. So ladies, young ladies, if you'd like to sign up to go, there's a sign-up sheet out at the information table, and someone will be, at, be out there after service to answer any questions you may have. Turn to Philippians chapter 4, if you will. And while you're turning there, we'll have another commercial. What does this sphere look like? Of the people, for the people, by the people. What is stealing? Can the state steal? There's another piece of the story, though. Can the state murder? Why did they ask for a king? The power of the sword to punish evil. Who's really in control here? Warning. 
you will become his slaves. We have the privilege to intercede and intervene in the laws that are made. What is the conflict? What is the problem? Without truth, there is only manipulation. Hear more? Come join us Wednesday night. We meet here for dinner, a light supper at 6.30. The Truth Project begins at 7. And uh, discussions begin at 8. And we have you out of here by 8.30. Enriched and empowered. Who's been coming and has been enjoying it? Amen. Each, each week stands on its own, so have no fear. You can come and not be lost. You'll be as lost as the rest of us. Amen. Also, we have special women's Bible studies that have begun on Tuesday mornings and Fridays with Ann Graham Lotz entitled The Magnificent Obsession, Embracing the God-Filled Life. And next Sunday, we have membership class. If you're interested in being a member here or just learning more about us, we invite you to join us from 4 to 7. And I have a rumor that we have dinner together afterwards. So come and join us. And uh, We have a sign-up sheet for this out in the foyer. Uh, we'd like for you to sign up, especially if you'll need child care. We need to know in advance. Bless you. All right. Have you turned to Philippians chapter 4 yet? Let's go ahead and begin with verse 2. I implore you, Odia, and I implore Suntike to be of the same mind in the Lord, and I urge you also, true companion, that is a true friend, help these women who labored with me in the gospel, with Clement also, and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentleness, that is your uh, forbearing, your, your, your kind patience be known to all men the lord is at hand you know we don't have to be impatient the lord's at hand he's watching everything he's not frantic he is certainly gentle if he wasn't we would all have already been burned verse six be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your request be made known to god and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. I'd like to speak to you this morning, lessons learned from a guy in jail. Um, that may bother you, if you're, especially if you're from a Catholic background. You have disrespected an apostle. <laughs> but he, he, is, he was a male, is a male, and he was in jail. So lessons learned from a male in jail. Uh, if the word guy doesn't work for you. Let me take that away just in case it bothers you. Verse 8. He is uh, addressing, for those of you that are just jumping on board, he is writing a letter of encouragement while he is incarcerated, being guarded by Caesar's personal guard, some of the best guards there are, and he's in a position to be discouraged, and yet he's taken advantage of the time to draw near to God, and to encourage other people. Who knows you can encourage others even when you're facing trials. And so in the midst of his discouragement, he's encouraging this church that he had started 11 years earlier. An amazing story in Acts, I think it's chapter 16, where this church began rather miraculously. In fact, he wound up in jail in that town and was delivered uh, while he's worshiping. I wonder if he tried singing that song again 
in the Roman prison, Roman imprisonment that he was experiencing to see if it would work again. But anyway, it's a glorious way the church began. And so 11 years later, he still maintained contact with them. He's writing this letter to encourage them. And he's telling them things that are encouraging him. What is encouraging him is he is using to encourage them. The Bible says that we are to comfort others with the same comfort with which we are comforted. So if you're suffering today, the book of Philippians is a powerful verse. The theme of Philippians is joy in suffering. It really is. And so let's look at verse 8. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true. The word there for true is the word alethes. It means not concealed, not hidden. Whatever things basically are known to be true. You know, some things you don't know, it might be true, it might not be true. It's been rumored to be true, it might not be true. Why would you allow a rumor to invade your mind? Well, so-and-so told me that so-and-so said something about me. Well, why would you believe so-and-so, especially when they tell you, don't tell anybody, But because um, they don't want you checking up on them, finding out the accuracy of the statement, basically. And so he is saying... Whatever is known to be true, think on this. Um, Whatever things are noble, this means honest, honorable. Whatever things are just, this basically means innocent. Fill our minds with innocent thoughts. Whatever things are pure, it means clean or modest. Um... So if you get hit with a prideful thought, shouldn't dwell on it. Whatever things are lovely. Now this isn't, this isn't, um, you know, think about pretty flowers. Uh, the word is related to the word phileo, which means friendship. Pros, friendship. Um, the word pro means for something. Uh, progress Pros and cons, con is against something, pro is for something, right? Progress is to move forward, right? Why do they call Congress, Congress? I don't understand that one. Anyway. So it's, it's forward, it pro, pros, feelings. It's forward friendship, towards friendship. We are to think thoughts that build up our friendships. Give your friend the benefit of the doubt. Sometimes I have been at a crossroads in a relationship with someone and had to talk to myself. Sometimes I've talked to myself in my rear view mirror. Look, you know he loves you. You know she cares for you. You have a decision here to, to make regarding the statement that you heard. What did they mean by that? You know, we all have our own lingo, different things that we mean. And speaking the truth to myself, so I think thoughts that are lovely, friendly towards, prosphilex, all right? I think you got the point there. Whatever things are of good report, that is reputable. Whatever things are reputable, of a good report, it's known, it's known to be true. He's basically saying the same thing over and over again here, if you, if you get into the roots of the words here. Whatever things are reputable. It's amazing to me how someone can be a liar and still be believed. 
still be believed. That person's lied to you in the past. Why would you believe him now? Is it a reputable witness that has brought you the report? Well, kind of iffy. Then put some salt with it and put it on a shelf somewhere and forget about it. You know, obviously, if it's a rumor that somebody's going to burn your house down, call the fire department and do what you can to stop it. But it may not even be true. Sometimes the attack of the devil isn't an attack. It's just a rumor of an attack. Remember the story of Nehemiah? They built that wall in record time under the threat of an attack and never were attacked. It was rumors. It was threats. That was the attack. Sometimes the threat of an attack is the attack. And so they at one point armed themselves with their tools and their swords simply to be ready just in case. And I think Nehemiah did it just to put the minds in his army of builders at peace in case the threats were true. Well, none of the threats were true. They were all a bunch of lies. They were not reputable. But they were the attack. So sometimes the enemy attacks us with threats. That is the attack. That's all there is to it. Just an empty threat. I heard the story of Martin Luther. He woke up in the middle of the night and there was the devil standing there at the foot of his bed. And he said, oh, it's you. And he rolled over and went back to sleep. So anyway, that's a good one for Halloween. If there is any virtue, means excellence, to excel. If there is anything praiseworthy or worthy of, of compliment, meditate on these things. Now the word here for meditate is a word logizomai, which is related to the word logic and others. It means to reckon or to count, to compute, to calculate, to take into account, to impute, which would be to add to. And sometimes when you count something, you actually take away because you realize the count you thought you had wasn't the actual count. So it's to, it's to get the exact um, number. It means to weigh or to meditate on. To me, what this means is when thoughts come to us, and they come to us in the form of words, either silently or someone said them to us, we must weigh those thoughts and determine, are these words worthy of my time? And we're going to see how this type of mental hygiene actually affects relationships. All right, verse 9. The things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. So Paul lived like this. He's telling them, hey, follow my example. I'll show you how to do this. And you'll have God's peace with you always. There he is in jail with peace, encouraging somebody. Other people are singing the blues, and he's... Encouraging someone. Uh, I remember when the church started in Philippians in Acts 16, there were prisoners in there mocking them while they're praising the Lord. Because it does seem crazy to not join in with the negative mentality that the world has. But as believers, we are either believers or we're not. I want to be a believer in the flesh and not just a believer on paper. All right. Now, look at this, verse 10. But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly 
that now at last your care for me has flourished again, though you surely did care, but you lacked opportunity. So he's sending this letter to them by the hand of someone named Epaphroditus who brought him gifts for his care. Now, his imprisonment in the third world, it's still like this. And in the ancient world, it definitely was like this. When you're in prison, there ain't no dining hall. There ain't no cafeteria. There's no stainless steel tray to go get your hot meal. There's no three hots in a cot. If you got a cot, somebody brought you one. There's no blankets. There's no hot water. If you have anything, it's what people are giving you. So here Paul is incarcerated, and his food is coming from other people. You see that? And so he obviously had gone through a lean time where this church didn't get some things to him. Look at it again. I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at last your care for me has flourished again, though you surely did care, but you lacked opportunity. Because he chose to think thoughts that he knew were true, he never allowed ill thoughts to crop up in his heart towards the church that had cared for him. Don't you know he was tempted during his lean times, hungry, cold, whatever? What's the matter with that church in Philippi? That bunch of morons, they would all be going to hell if I hadn't brought the gospel to them. Why aren't they doing the right thing? And when Epaphroditus comes, he would say, it's about time. He didn't allow his mind to go there. He gave them the benefit of the doubt, thought whatever things were true, whatever things were lovely, whatever things are of good report, so that when he did receive something, he had genuine thankfulness. He he believed that they lacked opportunity, even though he may not have known what the opportunity was. You understand that? Um, I have a friend that um, I love dearly, but he's become, he's become famous in the last 20 years. He does not have the time for me he had 20 years ago. And I have other people that I'm in relationship with that were in the same boat, and they've taken offense at him. Well, he thinks he's big time. He thinks he's all that. And I've chosen not to go there. Because I've chosen to believe that we've all been given a battle station to serve in life by God. And we must be faithful where he's planted us, bloom where we're planted, and do our best. And release our friends to do the will of God as well. So that should they become famous and they don't have the time for us that we once had, then so be it. That's life. We have heaven to face anyway. Him and I can chit-chat and fish for golden fish on the crystal sea one day. Amen says, amen. Amen. If you want to have friends, love them and release them to be all that God has called them to be. Don't be a lid. He said, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that now at last your care for me has flourished again, though you surely did care, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am, to be content. I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. He's content in Texas. He's content in Oklahoma. If you're not content in Kentucky, you're not going to be content in Tennessee. 
I know it might be easier to be contented in Kentucky or easier to be contented in Texas, but in reality, whatever state that you're in, condition in life, if you don't learn how to be content in that condition, you won't be content in another condition. Maybe you're in a season of lack, and the season will change, and you'll be in a season of abundance. If you don't learn how to be content in your season of lack, you will not be content in your season of abundance. Remember the hillbilly that said, when I feel good, I feel bad, because I know how bad I'm going to feel when I don't feel good. (laughs) We're not in heaven yet. Everything in your life is not going to be perfect. There's always going to be challenges. The more you have, you say you want to have more, do you want more responsibility? The more you have, the more you have to be a steward over, the more responsible you have to be. Well, I want my own company with lots of staff members. Really, the more morons you're going to have to deal with There will always be something to whine about and complain about. So learn how to be content in whatever state you're in. And some of you are doing it. I tell you, I've seen some of you walk through some difficult times victoriously. You're a hero to us, an example to us, because you're learning. You're showing us what what life's really about. It's a relationship with Christ, learning contentment with Him, trusting Him to bring you through the season, and He will bring you through it. Amen. Can we give a hand of appreciation for those who are demonstrating to us how to be content. Verse 12, I know how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. You learn how to do both. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Wow. Look at that verse. When you don't see it in its context, you don't get its, get its real impact. Sometimes Christian athletes love to quote that verse. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can whip this other team. Okay, that's great. But what, from what I read this context to me, I can win or I can lose. I can do both through Jesus Christ who strengthens me. If I lose, it's not going to ruin my life. Right? It's true. Nevertheless, Nevertheless, in spite of the fact that I have learned how to do without, nevertheless, you have done well that you shared in my distress. He's thankful for them. They must have, he must have went through something really tough here. And they finally came through. Now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church shared with me concerning giving and receiving but you only. They were his main partners. For even in Thessalonica, you sent aid once and again for my necessities. So they had even supported him on his missionary journeys. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. Indeed, I have all and abound. I am full, having received from Epaphroditus the things sent from you, a sweet smell and aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. And verse 19 is his declaration of faith for them. And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Now to our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet every saint. These are actual people he's thinking of in Christ Jesus. The brethren who are with me greet you. All the saints greet you, especially those who are of Caesar's 
household. He's in jail. What's this Caesar's household business? It's Caesar's guards that are getting saved. This guy's taking his lemons and making some lemonade. History, uh, there's rumors in history. Some rumors are good. Because there could be an element of truth in them that reveals the fact Paul was so powerful in his ministry that uh, they had to change his guards every few hours to keep them from getting converted. Give him enough time, he would persuade them. He's that powerful. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Who knows we need the grace. Paul said, lest I, in another letter, lest I be puffed up above measure, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan, to which I prayed three times for deliverance. And the Lord replied, my grace is sufficient for you. His grace is sufficient to deliver us from things, but also to deliver us through things, to take us through, to move the mountain or move us. Amen? It's there in the book. And so here he is, living a grace-empowered life when it's tough times. That's the book of Philippians. Now, I'm an exhorter. I can't leave something alone. It's taken me 14 Sundays to preach four chapters, okay? So in conclusion, we're going to do the alphabet. I was meditating on chapter 4, and these things just started coming to me. So I started writing them down, and here we are, something related for the sake of your memory to all 26 letters of our alphabet. Are you ready? Lessons learned from a male in jail. The ABCs of joy in troubled times. A, always rejoice. It's there. Rejoice in the Lord always. B, be anxious for nothing. The word there I shared last week, for nothing in the Greek means not one thing. He's not just making an exaggeration to get a point, nothing. You know, what are you thinking? Nothing. Well, for men, that could be true. For a sister, that might be exaggeration. But the word there for nothing doesn't just mean nothing. It means not one single thing should make us anxious. See, cherish the presence of God. In your jailhouse, God is there. David says, in hell, he is there. Cherish the presence of God. D, do all things through Christ's strength. Trust him to help you. You may be facing a big challenge and you don't have a choice. Who knows you can be set up by life. You don't have a choice. You're not strong enough and you don't have a choice. You have to tackle it. You got to go after the giant. Trust in the Lord's strength to bring you through. E, enjoy genuine independent contentment. True contentment is independent of your circumstances. True genuine contentment. Not the kind that comes from beverages all right we'll leave that alone f follow good and godly examples for your life remember he said follow me as you've seen and heard and experienced in my life follow me and the god of peace will keep you g give your friends a benefit of the doubt always always how many friendships have been destroyed because we have attacked someone when it wasn't really clear have you ever been attacked for a, a reason that's not good Turned out not to be true. 
So you got to tell them the truth, but then you got to deal with your own heart. Man, how could they do that to me? Well, learn from your pain in your relationship with others yourself. H, help others with whatever opportunity you can see. And Paul had an opportunity to help others with pen and papyrus. So he used it. Whatever opportunity comes your way, go for it. Are there any Rangers fans in the house? I am not a sports fanatic. I'm totally ignorant of sports. I was raised in a home where organized sports was a sin. If we played sports as a kid, I would be the one picked last. The two teams are choosing people. I'll take Billy Bob. I'll take Roy Rogers. I'll take Gene Autry. We'll take the girl and you take Latta. But um, I understand from Shake Anderson, who is quite the sports analyst, fascinating to me, that the Giants are not expected to beat the Rangers. So how did they win the first two games? Because the coach told his team, because the the pitching on the Rangers team, at least one of the pitchers, is so formidable, he just strikes them out. So the coach said, our strategy is to swing at everything. Just swing at everything. And the odds are eventually we'll hit something. <laughs> what happened last night, I'm not sure. But it could be some players rebelled because they got tired of s- striking out. Waiting on the, if you wait on the perfect pitch, you may never swing. If you go for every opportunity that comes your way, if Paul waited on a perfect day to encourage someone, he may not have written most of the stuff he wrote. If you wait for all the circumstances to be right, the book of Proverbs says you'll be hungry in time of harvest because you won't plant. There's no ideal day to sweat. Whoop, sorry. Maybe I've said enough. Help others with whatever opportunity you can see. Impact others with everything that encourages you. This is, what, this is what he's doing. Because the person you're encouraging one day may encourage you. Maybe some more gifts came to Paul from this church through the encouragement they received. They began to prosper more because he had so much encouraged them that the next trip, more stuff came. Amen. J, joyfully receive all kindness no matter how late it is. Some people are mad at God. When the help came, they're not grateful because it didn't come in their timing. K, keep yourself looking on the bright side. There is a bright side to everything. You know that? There's a blue sky above those clouds. I went to see the Rocky Mountains one time. And never saw him because the sky was so cloudy. And the Lord spoke to me and said, just because you can't see it doesn't mean it's not there. Look on the bright side. Let your gentleness, your forbearing spirit, your patience, your kindness be known to everyone. The next statement, the Lord is at hand. Amen. Mercifully extend grace to everyone. Even your prison guard, who knows they might get saved. Never see your need as a challenge for God. We can do all things through Him. 
only receive your peace from God. Jesus said in John 14, My peace I give to you not as the world gives do I give to you. Watch out for worldly peace. Watch out. The Republicans may win by a landslide. We don't know. If it does and you're happy, rejoice. But don't put your identity on that. Because I guarantee you, there's some morons in that bunch. (laughs) He, pray for everything with thankfulness. Pray for everything with thankfulness. An atmosphere of thanks. If you want to be encouraged when you pray, thankfulness. Q, acquire a taste for hunger and humility. I know crow don't taste good. I've had it fried. I've had it baked. I've had it dried. I've had it powdered. I've had it smoothied. It never tastes good. But I tell you what, the after effects of eating crow and seeing a relationship restored is worth the trial. Sometimes the medicine don't taste good, but I tell you what, the after effects. Jesus endured the cross. That was not enjoyable for the joy set before him. So if you can look past the trial to the joy set before you, you can acquire a taste that, to be able to endure it. All right. Rejoice in the Lord. Uh, oh, you already said that, yeah. But he said rejoice in the Lord always. Remember, A was always rejoice. And then he said, and again, I say rejoice. Stand fast in the Lord's love for you. He says that in one verse there in chapter 4. And then he says the word beloved. Verse 1, I forgot to read that this morning. Therefore, my beloved and longed-for brethren, my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, beloved. Now we read that thinking, oh, beloved, that's a nice term. It literally means that you are loved. And if we are loved, then we need to receive that love, right? We need to live like we are loved. We need to allow God's love to have an impact upon us. If we're beloved then that means we should be loved. Be loved. Be loved. Get it? Live loved. Be loved. Today, be loved. Tomorrow, be loved. Next week, be loved. 24-7, be loved. Be loved right now. Be loved. T. Think encouraging biblical thoughts. Someone asked Corey Tinboon at the age of 82, well, she lived till she was 82, but during her elderly years, she had seen the worst of humanity. As a young woman, she was thrown in a Nazi prison camp because her family, uh, if you've ever seen the book or the movie, The Hiding Places, about her family who housed Jews who were fleeing uh, Nazi terror, death, and persecution. And then they got caught and they were thrown in prison. And she lost loved ones in that war. And she got fleas in that prison. All kinds of horrible things happened. She, she saw the worst. And someone asked her in her elderly years, why is it you're such an encourager? How is it that you just were able to rise above stuff that you've seen? And in her accent, 
she said, look down, be oppressed. Look around, be depressed. Look up, be at rest. Amen. Keep looking up. Let your thoughts reflect that. Unify others. Help them reconcile. So there he is in prison. He hears of two sisters fighting in a church. And he said, hey, true friends, help them work it out. Your names are in the book of life. You're going to heaven. Let's get this stuff dealt with. V, evaluate all thoughts for worthiness. Protect your mind. Your mind is the most amazing organ in your body. You should not allow just anything. Would you drink strychnine? Would you handle snakes? No. Would you care about your body? Well, we need to care for our mind. Don't allow things in there that can hurt us. Wish, for, wish more for others than yourself. It'll keep jealousy from getting a foothold. Excel in appreciation and praise. Paul had a degree in appreciation and praise. Yield your life completely to God. My life is not my own. It belongs to Him. Now, what am I going to do with Z? It relates to a song that was in my heart that we sing. Sang it last Sunday. Come now, fount of every blessing. Tune my heart to sing thy praise. Here I raise my Ebenezer. Hither to thy help I'm come. What is an Ebenezer? Final point is Ebenezer, your testimonies. It comes from 1 Samuel 7, verse 12. When he took a stone and set it up and called its name Ebenezer, saying, thus far the Lord has helped us. He set up a monument to help him remember God's help. Here I raise my Ebenezer, hitherto thy help has come. Ebenezer, your testimonies. In other words, don't forget the good things God has done for you. You know, in life, many times, there are things we remember we should forget. In fact, Paul said in, earlier in this same book, forget those things that are behind you. Press for what God has moved towards you. When David faced the giant, he remembered the lion and the bear. Maybe when he faced the lion, he remembered the bear. Maybe when he faced the bear, he remembered something else that encouraged him. Probably remembered what his daddy told him. Use your memory for your benefit. Ebenezer, your testimonies. We overcome the enemy, the accuser of the brethren, by the blood of our lamb, the word of our testimony, loving not our lives even unto death. And finally, you know, I just can't stop this points thing. Don't have a letter to go with this one, but this is a bonus. Use your imagination creatively. Think ahead. Paul was facing possible death, but in this letter he also alludes to the fact he's wanting to come see them. And he actually got to. You know, David... Face the giant, encourage himself by remembering the lion that God helped him slay and the bear. You know what he did to that giant? He cut his head off. You know what he did to that head? 
he carried it to Jerusalem. Now, Jerusalem was not the capital city of Israel. Jerusalem was not under total Jewish control at the time. But it would be under his reign, it would become the capital. What did he do? He took that giant on a walk, his head, to show him, here, look at this big boy, this is my next giant. I don't know if that's true, but it sure preaches good, doesn't it? When you overcome this trial, don't sit back and say, well, that's good. Where's my rocking chair? No, look for the next mountain. Where else does God want to use you? What, what other song are you going to sing? Who else can you encourage? I mean, here Paul is. He's established so many churches, had an impact, written books of the Bible. And here he writes another book. And he's yet going to write other ones. I mean, we have half the New Testament because somebody kept killing giants. Amen? Can we stand? Make this confession with me. I have not yet begun to fight. I will defeat this trial. And I will defeat others in the future. Because I am more than a conqueror. I am more than a comer. I'm an overcomer. Amen. The way we do that is by remembering the good things the Lord has done. I love this song. Can we close by singing this and raise our Ebenezer's, you know, remember stuff. Maybe, maybe it's actually a rock or, or something that reminds you of something good God has done for your life. Hold on to that. Amen. When I think of how he saved me, how he raised me, how he filled me, with the Holy Ghost, how He healed me to the uttermost. When I think about the Lord, how He picked me up and turned me around, how He placed my feet on solid ground. Let's sing that again. When I think, when I think about the Lord, how He saved me, how He raised me, how He filled me with the Holy 